Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. I'm one of your host, Blessing Adioye Jr. Joining me is Gameonesis, a.k.a. Janet Garcia. Yo, what's good? Not much, Janet. How's it going with you? It's going good. You know, I, I woke up. I didn't do much before coming here. And that's why I was here a few minutes early, because I'm like, there's not enough time to really do anything. So I'm just going to sit here and be ready. I was surprised when I when I joined the Discord. I, I think I... I I looked at about 9.55, and I know Janet Garcia. Janet Garcia doesn't show up until she's when she's needed. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, Janet will be there by 9.59. And, like, when I saw that you were in the call, I was like, oh, shit, I'm the late one. Like, I'm, I'm the trouble here. That we all do the Discord lurk. And that's what I like about Discord and just, like, as a platform in general. It's easy to know, okay, where are people? You can jump into calls easily versus I think it was, like, Greg that I was talking to about, like, my Zoom panics of, like, to me, it's so stressful when you're waiting to be let in because you have to, like, be physically on. Like, let me not, like, look weird or be doing anything, like, because at any second, I'm just going to be thrown in here. So um, you Discord, you can lurk. You can, you can just, um, you can jump in. I I've never learned... know if the camera's off or on, and it's just, like, a whole oh, thing. I'm just paranoid about it. That's what I've learned over the yeah. last couple of years is, like, yeah, as long as the camera's off, you're good, right? Like, I keep my camera off. I keep my mic muted. That way I can, like, sing along to whatever song I'm listening to on Spotify <laughs> and have a good time. And then, like, when somebody comes in, I can act normal. No, I was just sitting here staring at a wall. I wasn't doing it. I wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting here, right? And that's what you, that's what you convey. I'm not Snowbike Mike, where if you join a call and Snowbike Mike's in the call, there's a very good chance that he has his camera on, he has his mic on, and he's doing, like, a dance to some random song that I've never heard of before. Sometimes dancing to nothing. Absolutely not. Sometimes dancing to nothing. I remember, you know, we have that, you know, the the clip that went around on social where it's him wearing the Master Chief helmet, um, yeah. with the 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 Halo Infinite theme playing under it, and that clip was made because it was Halo Infinite multiplayer launch day. I went into the Discord room. Game Daily's going on. There's nobody else in this room, and he's dancing to nothing, wearing this helmet. And I was like, well, I have to record this. I can't just let this man like do this and not be like you know called out uh, called out on it. So, and that's yeah, great. Mike is that's a, an enigma. I, that's why that's why we love him, but that's also why I have so many questions about him because it's like, <laughs> why are you why are you just sitting in your room dancing with a halo, with a halo helmet on? Like, do we need to have a talk, Michael? Snow like Michael and Angel. If I had a helmet helmet like that, I might put that on unceremoniously. Mm -hmm. Like we have the um, I don't know if we still have it actually, but at a time Isaiah had the collector's edition for Fallout seventy six that had like that helmet. I definitely put that on. Like you have to. A lot of people in chat are calling out the the ice cream situation where I was on a call yes. and I was just I was going in on some uh, on some ice cream. But you and went me, into the call yourself, so to make it clear, yeah, like I, to be clear, I knew I was being seen by Greg and Kevin. I didn't realize we were live, <laughs> and I didn't yeah. realize that I was going to be full screened live on the Twitch channel. I think that's that's the the difference. Like I I didn't mind them seeing me go in on this ice cream because I was like, dude, I I I wanted them to adjust my camera and figure this shit out, right? I was doing them a courtesy. I was doing Kevin a courtesy. Let me let me join the call early, turn on my camera so you can adjust it while I finish up this ice cream that I am thoroughly enjoying. And I didn't I didn't consider that the entire audience would see me thoroughly enjoying that ice cream. But I digress. Janet, there's a lot of things in this episode for us to thoroughly enjoy. Things like a Saints Row preview roundup, a Final Fantasy VII news inbound, and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around 
the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use upper creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games with bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you a new episode of the kind of funny games cast is up featuring the one and only jeff grubb that's right jeffy grubb grubb is on that uh we discussed the steam deck emulation and whether or not 2023 will be the greatest year in video game history that might sound like a heck of an overstatement but let me tell you arguments are made very convincing arguments are made on that episode so you, you should go check that one out uh on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and on podcast services around the globe and then in case you missed it uh we reviewed the new kendrick lamar album mr morale and the big steppers uh that is up uh, on the screencast feed and over on youtube.com slash kind of funny. Janet, did you check out that album? I did. I did. How'd you feel about it? Mm, I think I could see it growing on me because that's often the case with albums that don't initially hit for me. I think there's some interesting things being said, but I don't really like a lot of the songs. Like it feels a lot more like a entire piece than something I can like pick up and listen to, which like not everything needs to be as listenable, but I feel like previous albums had both. And I feel like this one doesn't as much. And then there's some other choices made that I'm like, mm, hmm. no, about what you said it there, or how you said it. So, hmm. yeah, we should I dig don't into know. this during the post show because I'd love to have this conversation with you. Oh my gosh! We'll that <laughs> yeah, because I love the there's, album. There's, I, stuff. there's like some nitpicks I have in here, there, but for, but for the most part, it's like for me another like. Uh, what do they call it? like an infinity gem and like mm -hmm. the gauntlet of like man you just keep dropping these classics for me the like stones th the stones right like i've not totally had an album than gems like i don't even know why i mentioned that like, I yeah, like, what you meant. <laughs> i've not had an, an uh, album actually, that's hit for me no. uh, actually they're stones not gems even though they look yeah, exactly that, like that would that would be ridiculous <laughs> yeah <laughs> what are you what are you thinking um but i've not had an album hit for me in this way for a long time in terms of like me going back and listening to it over and over and over again like i've had albums that have hit like i've been listening a lot to vince staples album that he dropped earlier in the year and that for me was my album of the year before i got to this album because the push it album didn't do anything for you it's good it's good it's just not as good as his last like four albums is the thing like ever since my name is my name push t has been on a roll right like my name is my name is fucking incredible right his uh follow-up to that one i forget what that one's even called but like it was like this kind does of a, sound like a post show now i think probably it does sound <laughs> a like a post show bit. conversation but like Let's daytona show away for free you know it, it, I'll, I'll finish up with push t and say that daytona was off the chain right like daytona if you know you know weird. oh my god that production um this last album was cool. Like it's him talking more about selling cocaine and there's only so much I can, there's only so long I can listen to somebody talk about selling cocaine before I'm like, I don't know, man. Can you talk about doing taxes? Can you talk about like something else? Like Jay-Z did it. Jay-Z put out 444 where he taught me how to invest. Like Pusha T, teach me how to like- Was that your takeaway from 444? Cause that's not the takeaway that I had from 444. Jay-Z taught me how to invest and he also, he apologized for cheating on Beyonce. That, those were the two takeaways I had from 444. Anyway, what was your takeaway for 444? We don't have time for this. Let's just get into it later. We got plenty of We're only 10 minutes into the show. We got 50 oh minutes God. left. We can talk. Are about you bullying this. me into talking about not video games in this video game show? Is that what's happening right now? 100%. Well, here's the thing, right? One of our big stories is Final Fantasy VII. And I know that, like, you and Barry mm. don't care about Final Fantasy VII that much. It's so not that I don't care about it. It's just yeah, that, like, I don't I, share I your love opinion. The original game, bless. And that's anyway, thank all you to our I Patreon love. producers. <laughs> thank you to our Patreon producers, Anonymous and Fargo Brady. Today we're brought to you by Maple Story and Lumen Skin, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. <laughs> it's time for some news. We have six stories today. <gasps> A baker's dozen. 
starting with our number one. We got a Saints Row preview roundup. Uh, a lot of people have gotten to check out a behind closed doors preview of Saints Row. I got to see uh, that behind closed door preview of Saints Row. It was about 50 minutes of footage plus a Q&A and all, and, and all this stuff. Uh, I'm going to pull in a, a couple of different previews uh, to give a broad spe spectrum, right? It seems like a lot of the impressions are mixed to positive. Right, like it seems like a lot of people have a lot of good stuff to say, but there are some articles out there that are like, eh, there's some good things, but also it seems like there might not be as much polish. Um, and I've got two particles, uh, two particles, two articles, one from IGN, which is a positive one, and then I have another one following up on that, which is more of a mid middle middling one. Uh, so to start off with Simon Cardi at IGN, uh, Simon put up an article titled "Saints Row is Shaping Up to Be a Fun Throwback." His article reads like this. Having watched roughly 50 minutes of Saints Row gameplay, I'm encouraged by what I've seen. Deep Silver Volition's reboot of the series looks a lot of fun, filled with the wackiness, carnage, and humor you'd expect. It feels comfortably familiar, but with enough new ways to play uh, to make it not seem like a retread of what's to come before, and promises to, to be a welcome throwback to an era when playful, urban, open-world games were a, a much more common occurrence. The first thing that caught my attention was the huge emphasis placed on customization. Everything from your playable boss, a huge range of, of vehicles, arsenal of weaponry, and your base can be tailored to your own designs. Car customization in particular looks substantial, with everything from paint jobs to neon underglows available. The character creator is also extensive, uh, giving players the option to create just about anything human-shaped their mind can imagine. You can also completely overhaul the look of your character at any time. Simply open the in-game phone app to perform the most advanced cosmetic surgery known to man. In a weird way, it reminded me of The Sims as you build a library of characters, each with their own backstory you made up in your head to take control of. One thing Saints Row, <clears throat> excuse me. One thing Saints Row has always benefited from is its vast use, uh, a vast range of unique weapons, and that's no different here. I've seen guns that shoot bullets through walls as if they're paper, finger guns that fire bullets from giant foam fingers, and my favorite, the Thrustbuster, a throwable football that sticks onto enemies and vehicles, sending them flying into the air before exploding into tiny pieces. Every weapon, even the more conventional ones, have their own unlockable signature abilities too, such as turning a simple pistol into a quick-fire machine pistol with a click of a button. Uh, of course, there's more to that IGN article, that IGN preview by, uh, by Simon Cardi. I encourage you guys to go over there and check out the full thing. But from here, I want to jump into Victoria Kennedy's preview at Eurogamer, who titles their article, Saints Row looks colorful and amusingly chaotic, but lacks some polish. Her article reads like this. Last week, I got to have a closer look at the Saints Row reboot from Volition. As you would expect, it looked bombastic and eclectic, with a myriad of unusual ideas that can only, be, only really be married together in a Saints Row game. However, at this point, it also felt like Volition has focused a bit, much, a, a bit too much on adding in all this stuff to the game, and seemingly at the cost of some polish and finesse. Saints Row was confirmed to be a cross-gen release on its initial announcement last year, and that seems to be a fair market for it. Right now, it just looks and feels like more of a last-gen game than a current-gen one. Throughout the showcase, Saints Row's fighting appeared to be a touch clunky, while its cutscenes and dialogue felt more forced than we may expect from a game today. Meanwhile, during, during the close-up of the boss's face, you could clearly see that the character's eyelashes and eyelids did not match up in the way you would expect them to. This could be a bug that will be fixed by launch, but it was nonetheless jarring on the eye. With all that said, Saints Row still looks as if it, ho it holds the potential for fun. Be that because of the, the amusing way you can bop off pedestrians' head to, heads to gain a boost when using your flight suit, or because you can change up your character's appearance on the fly uh, as and when the mood takes you. Janet Garcia, where are you at with Saints Row? Is this a game that you've been looking forward to after seeing and reading these previews? Does this do anything for your anticipation for it? 
Um, I guess it makes me a little more confident that it'll at least be a solid game, just because, like you said, it being sort of mixed to positive means that, okay, this probably won't, like, completely flop in any way. You know, obviously, there's always the chance of, like, especially when they're hands-off previews, it's such a challenge because you don't actually get to go in and, and do the tinkering and get a feel for the game because you're just watching someone get a feel for the game. Um, so that's always the challenge of, of writing these and trying to, like, sort of anticipate where it's going to land. Um, but unless it comes out, like, you know, broken for some reason, this should be a decent experience. Um, I think this is about what I kind of expected to hear from the previews, just because I saw this and heard about this game initially and was not and still not expecting this to, like, blow anybody out of the water. Like, I feel like it'll just be a, a good, solid time, you know, somewhere around that that kind of range which is why like you know this is an interesting one because i believe you have this game in the uh draft in fantasy critic right yeah i do and like and after i remember seeing... feeling like oh like i was feeling like that maybe that's like a little bit of a risky pick like i think you'll get points on the board mm -hmm. overall because so many outlets are going to review it and i imagine that it's gonna mostly be you know in that seven plus range which to get points in fantasy critic you need to be above a seven or above a 70, above 70. but i don't know that you're gonna really like get a lot from it and it does have in my opinion the risk to dip below so how are you feeling as you know both a player and uh, a fantasy a fantasy critic and also a real critic so, so okay i love this question three. because i think you are you're you're giving me a different direct different angles to come at this from because as a player coming out of this this is now the second hands-off preview that I've attended for Saints Row. Coming off of it, I'm ecstatic. I'm so excited for this game. I think this game looks fun as hell. It is. It reminds me a little bit of the way we talked about Kana, Bridge of Spirits, where Kana came out, and I remember our review on PS Love You, like the headline or thumbnail was like, the best PS2 game, right? Like, it's a game that feels like it harkens back so much to games that we loved on PS2, but it's it does that with so much quality and so much, like, Oh man, no, but this is beautiful. Like this is fun to play. Like it captures that energy so well and is almost nostalgic for that reason. Saints Row, this new revamp Saints Row reminds me so much of PS2 games that I loved that I feel like we haven't gotten as much of nowadays. Like when you think about the open world city crime games, right? Like GTA 5 is still around, but GTA 5 came out in like 2013 and people still play online, right? But like you don't get that many new iterations, right? Like you got what uh uh Crackdown three, but like that very very much came and went, yeah, right? Like Mafia that three came out six Mafia years three, ago at this point. Six years ago, like these aren't games that come out crazy often. And I think for me as a player, as somebody who I I really dug Saints Row three, I really dug Saints Row four. I'm kind of craving a new Saints Row game. I'm kind of craving a new open world city game where I'm going go, going about you know fucking around, blowing shit up. And I think. For what they're focusing on in this game, it seems like there's a very big emphasis on the things that you want there to be a very big emphasis on, right? Like, I echo some of the critiques um, in that second uh, preview we read from Victoria Kennedy at Eurogamer talking about polish, right? Like, it, watching this preview, even though I would say that this game looks like the best, um, it's the best looking Saints Row game that we've gotten, right? Like, I think fidelity-wise, it is a step up, and I believe they're running on a new engine. Uh, it also, like, doesn't strike me as next gen right or new gen right this doesn't strike me as a thing of like oh this is gonna blow me away from polishing graphics and all that stuff but the thing is i don't think saints row has ever been that i remember playing saints row 3 when saints row 3 came out and being like yeah man the shooting's kind of janky but i'm not necessarily here for a perfect shooting game right i'm here to, to cause chaos i'm here for the debauchery i'm here to cuss my shit and for all of what 
they showed during the preview, that shit is intact, right? Like, the customization in this game looks insane. It's a very big focus on, like, customizing how your main character looks, right? Which is the boss, right? Customizing how the boss looks. It looks like it's as, if not more batshit than the previous Saints Row games we've gotten. Because, like, if you remember in previous Saints Rows, right? Like, you could go pretty crazy with the customization. Like, you could, like, adjust different body parts. You can make your dick as big as you want, right? Or, like, boobs or whatever that stuff, right? Like, you can kind of get deep in there and do that crazy stuff, right? You can wear masks, have, like, different, um, uh, do different color grading for your different clothes and all this shit. You can get really detailed with how you customize your character. And it seems like they're doubling down a lot on that stuff in, in this game, which I love. The vehicle customization looks really fun as well. And I'm somebody who... I during the PS2 era, like again, these kind of games are my shit, right? Spe specifically, I talk about it all the time, GTA San Andreas. And one of the things I love to do in GTA San Andreas, and even in GTA 5 to this day, was take my car to the auto shop and customize how my car looked, right? Like add in new rims, go through all the different colors, the textures of the different cars, materials, all that stuff. That stuff seems like it's being, it, it, it has like a very big focus in this game in terms of them providing so many options to make your vehicles look as dope as you want them to. And that for me has me excited, right? Like I think the customizations, and you can do the, they, they showed off gun customization and stuff as well, right? Like they're very much leaning into the stuff that makes that part of the game fun. And then also on the other hand, I think they're leaning into the sandbox nature of it. Like the thing that interests, interests me the most right now, this is a, this is definitely a critique, but also like it's looping around to why I'm excited about, uh, at the same time. I don't really care about the story at this point. Like nothing mm -hmm. they've shown about this game narratively, story-wise, has really struck me or gotten me interested. Like it is, you are building the saints, right? Like there are different gangs in the city and like the different gangs seem like they're cool. It seems like there's three main gangs that um, you're messing with and they all have their own gimmicks and stuff and they, they seem fine. But, like, you are the boss. You are, like, this new Gen Z version of the Saints who are, like, young, who are, like, in this big, big expensive city and are trying to make it. Uh, and so you're building the Saints from scratch, right? And it's a rebooted Saints. It's not the Saints that you know from the other games. Uh, and, like, in that, in that sense, it seems basic, right? It seems, you know, by the numbers. It doesn't seem like anything new. We've seen this before. But in the way that, like, the open world stuff, like the traversal, the different vehicles, the, like... Uh, uh, different activities that they throw your way, right? Like, they have fan-favorite stuff, right? They have insurance fraud, which is, like, where you go and you try to cause as much destruction as possible to, like, gain as much money as possible, right? Like, all that fan-favorite stuff makes a return, but then also, there's just, like, a lot of wacky stuff, right? Like, they have... um like wingsuits that you can uh, fly with, right? They have a car um, um, uh, unlockable thing where you can have an ejector seat in your car. So like, if you drive your car, if you launch off a ramp, eject off the seat and then equip your wingsuit, now you're flying across the city. And it's like, and Barrett, Barrett's killing it with the B-roll because Barrett actually showed the exact thing that I'm talking about. Like, this is the type of type of shit that I'm talking about. Where I'm like, this gets me excited. I can't wait to fuck around yeah, in this game like, and have a have a good time. I'm not a Saints Row person. I don't even know if I've ever actually touched a Saints Row game. And like with, with this reboot, like I remember when they revealed it, and I was like, yeah, all right, cool. But like the footage that's coming out from this round of previews, I'm like, yeah, I could I could see myself like fucking around with this because this seems like the goofy kind of stuff that I'm in the mood yes. for. Yes, it's it seems like it's going to be less of a in the way that we talked about like the game of the year contenders, like the best games of the year type stuff. I don't know if it's going to be in that conversation, and I don't think it's going it needs to. And that comes back to your original question of like, how do you feel about your fantasy draft? I feel fine mm -hmm. about it. Like, I don't know if it's going to be a banger for my fantasy draft. I don't know if this game is going to get like, you know, above eighties or whatever the fuck. Right. 
I just need this game to be good. Like, if this game gets eights, I just need that's it to be a, a fucking fun success. time, man. That's I just it, need it to be it. a fun time. Yeah, like, I not just need it to be... Not as Fancy Critic, though, right? Fancy Critic isn't about fun. It's about the evil of the numbers. For sure. You yeah, know? and, like, the Fancy Critic <laughs> thing, like, yeah. it's not... I'm not, like, over the moon critic. on it. I win either way because, you know, I direct both uh, XCast and PSI Love You. I win. Yeah, that bear, bear wins either way. But for me as a player, <laughs> but who do you secretly want to win? Because you know there's somebody. Don't say it. Just oh, bear is going for the X cast team. Bear is going for the X cast team for sure. Wow. He was helping Snowbike right. Mike in them during the actual. Yeah, episode. but I gave I Snowbike there. Mike bad advice. You know, I told him to pick up Trek to Yomi and look how that worked out. You know, that's true. Oh, that's, that's, I think that I got point. him some points, not a lot. So it's like you know maybe diminishing returns on the investment, but. Yeah. yeah, this but does I, look I, like a fun time. Like someone in um, chat had mentioned this, and I, I don't know the name anymore, so feel free to fake claim credit if it's you, um, or actually claim credit if it actually is you. But someone mentioned, like, it feels like Sunset Overdrive meets Watch Dogs, and that's kind of the vibe I got, too. Like, not obviously, Sunset Overdrive is actually a very polished game. Like, it controls incredibly well. I think it's very much, like, you can feel that precursorness to, um, you know, the movement in, in games like Spider-Man. Um, but it was about like there was silly wild stuff going on in that world and it felt very like stylized and like it knew exactly what it wanted to do and yeah this, I can see this being a really fun time and I'm also someone that in like on the Watch Dogs comparison like Watch Dogs didn't like the last one didn't like blow me away or anything but I in, you know it was like my first one and I enjoyed my time with it of just like the loop of what they sort of offered there so yeah, yeah I think if this is do we have any idea on the length of this game? Oh, I don't know actually. I don't know. I'm know a little bit nervous. It, but I assume about it's gonna that. be. Like, I, I assume it's gonna be like the same length as the other Saints Row games. Like I can't imagine it's like more than in, in terms of like mainlining story and shit. Like yeah. 20, twenty hours maybe. But like I yeah. think this is the kind of sandbox that you want people to come back to. Like this seems like a game to exist in. And one of the things I want to shout out as well is like um, uh, in the Q and A, somebody asked the question of co-op. Like how does co-op work? Uh, and it's drop in, drop out. Like if you do a mission with like a co-op partner if you get to that mission in your game, it'll then bring up the option of like, do you want to skip? Right? Like that is that like, this game is a game oh, so that I pro progress then in other people's you games. You can progress in other people's games. Oh yes. my God. That's like, the that's exactly thing. what I want to hear. That's why like, that was like one of my biggest beefs with like the last far cry where that really just de-incentivized the idea of going in anyone's game for me because it's like, okay, like you can, you can definitely do this on your own. Like it's not, you need me there, but like it would be fun to be together if it actually mattered in my game. But if I'm just gonna have to run it back. Yeah, I like that element of it. That's Yeah, cool. and like, I, you know, we talked about the, what this game looks like in terms of the, like the combination of other games. For me, the, so far, the vibes I get are Watch Dogs 2 meets Just Cause. Uh, just in terms of like the energy of like the Watch Dogs 2 open world and like what that story is going for. And tonally, they mentioned that this game sits between Saints Row 2 and Saints Row 3 in terms of tone. Saints Row 3 got real wacky, right? And Saints Row 2 was a little bit more grounded. This seems like it's trying to play the in-between, right? It's not going, trying to go super crazy and meme -y and all that shit, right, over the top. But it is still trying to keep some of that energy, some of the humor, some of the over-the-top over -top stuff. Like, there's not... A, I don't think there's a dildo bat in this game. I get the vibes that there's not not going to be a dildo bat or a dubstep gun, but they do have um, what they call the pineapple express, which is a move where you like take somebody, you like shove a grenade into like their pants or whatever, and then you throw them at your enemies, right? And it's like, oh, that's fun. Like so much of this game, and so much of my excitement now for this game is driven by it. Just seems like such a fun sandbox. Like forget the mainline story, forget like. I don't know, man, like the open world discovery shit. Like, forget like the things we think about when we think about games critically. 
for me, this game just looks fun. It looks like a fun game to just exist in and and cause chaos and like join Snow. If we play this game on stream, right? Join Snow Mike Mike's game. All right, cool. Let's run a random activity. See how much chaos we can cause. Oh man, I got the fucking rocket launcher with a special signature move. Cool. Let me do that. Oh, you got the like. It seems like that kind of game, and I'm totally down for it to be that kind of game. And I like the more I see this game, the more excited I get about it. Um, and so yeah, I, I I'm. I'm looking forward to this one. I like I'm I like, we were talking about it a little bit yesterday, right? And I think the general sentiment about Saints Row seems to be that like more people are on the side of being trepidatious about it. But like mm-hmm. I don't know, man. The more I see, the more I'm like, fuck, this looks good. Like it looks like a good game. And so that's yeah. where I come down. I'm on. there either way. So hopefully it, it shakes out and can um you know hold my attention the whole way through. Cause yeah, we'll just see how it goes. But it seems like a solid time. Janet. Let's move on with story number two. Final Fantasy VII news is incoming this next month. Uh, This is from Andy Robinson at Video Games Chronicle. Square Enix will make announcements regarding the 25th anniversary of Final Fantasy VII next month. That's according to director Tetsuya Nomura, who shared the news during a Japanese live stream focused on the mobile battle royale Final Fantasy VII The First Soldier on Wednesday. It's possible June's announcements could include the reveal of Final Fantasy VII Remake Part II, since Square Enix has previously indicated that it would like to share details on the sequel during this anniversary year. 2022 is not only a milestone year for Final Fantasy VII, but also for the series itself. And publisher Square Enix recently said it intends to release several new games this year, but that its plans are centered around its most high-profile franchise. Final Fantasy XVI producer Naoki Yoshida has also said that a new trailer for the game will be released soon. Few details have been revealed on Final Fantasy VII Remake Part II so far, other than confirmation last year that Naoki Hamaguchi, the co-director of Final Fantasy VII Remake Part I, uh, will take over full directing duties for the follow-up as Tetsuya Nomura takes on a broader creative director position. Nomura has also said that, compared to last year's Intergrade re-release, that Part II will make more use of PlayStation 5's unique hardware features. Janet Garcia. It seems like the height of hopes is a Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two announcement. Do you think there's any chance we see that in June? Uh, yeah, I think there's a chance. I mean, it's been it's been a while, and I don't think it's... I think us seeing it doesn't mean that it's, like, coming out, like, this year or maybe even the year after that, but I think it would just be good to see something, even if it's not, like, a date or a window, just any level of anything would be good if you have anything we need we need you a lot because i think it's just been not that people are like i think we knew that we were in for a very long haul like and that just kind of is what it is it's not my ideal situation with a game like this with the fact that they were even breaking it up into pieces anyway i was kind of like all right i guess this is our lives for the next like 10 years now and i sort of accepted that once once they had announced that that was how they were doing it and then especially as they continue to talk about being like you know what we don't we don't even know how many parts it's gonna be like we don't we're we're just kind of here you know we're like in the you know final fantasy one remake if that's what we're seven remake one part one whatever um gameplay wise you know and visually fantastic game i have my my big gripes with that game is to come from the the story but um you know i think it's they're pretty set up to like if they continue with what they were doing generally like knock it out of the park again uh and even like my feelings aside it's like a highly critically acclaimed game so seeing anything would just be good to like remind us hey it really is moving along we got it we're going um but yeah what about you do you think we're gonna see this or is it like absolutely no uh, hope? i don't i won't say absolutely no hope but i'm not counting on it i think 
Final, there's so much that Final Fantasy has in terms of like things they could show, right? Like there's Final Fantasy 16, there's Final Fantasy 7, again, remake part two, right? There's Final Fantasy 7 mobile games, plural, yeah. <laughs> like between like the classic remake stuff and then also like the um, Battle Royale, like the list goes on in terms of Final Fantasy 7 focused like mobile stuff, right? There's Final Fantasy 14 shit and then like there's just Final Fantasy history in general, right? Like, there's so much you can touch on in terms of Final Fantasy stuff you can do for this anniversary. And, like, uh, uh, Tetsu Nomura, right? Or was it Nomura? Yeah, Nomura is talking about, like, yeah, like, we're going to have Final Fantasy stuff, 7 stuff to show. But I think that could mean, that can mean so many different things. And right. I don't want to hope for a remake part two because I would think that even though they said that, like, yo, yeah, we want to talk about it sometime this year, you still have Final Fantasy 16, which I would think that you would put all your focus on. Like, don't, don't start that marketing cycle for seven remake part two yet right like everybody knows it's, it exists in some form right or it's going to exist in some form we know that is going to that's going to come sometime right but like you, i don't think you need to start that cycle for, for us anticipating knowing it. them though where you know the when seven remake first got revealed wasn't that like 2015 you oh yeah know, like i could see it and they just they just announced kingdom like, hearts 3 yeah, I could see. Or Kingdom Hearts Four, sorry. Yeah, out of nowhere, right? Or not out of nowhere, but it felt like a, a holy crap. We're waking up on a Monday. Um, yeah. And so I could see them very much focusing on Final Fantasy sixteen and being like, "Hey, like this is we're going all in on this now. Hopefully, it's out within the year and stuff like that." And like the the very end, let's say they're doing an event. Um, at the very end, you get the similar level of teaser that we got in twenty fifteen for part one for part two. Yeah, I just don't. I think you could wait till 2023 to do that. It's my thing. Like, focus in. And I know this is like, I'm talking, we're Square Enix, we're talking about, right? Like, again, they just announced Kingdom Hearts 4, which I'm sure we're not going to see for years and years and years. Like, it's not beyond them to do it beyond. But I would think that, like, right now, the smart move for Final Fantasy 16, which feels like it's somewhat imminent. And by imminent, I mean, like, fall going into early next year, right? That's a game that I think you can, you can go, all right, everybody focus in. Let's fucking market the hell out of Final Fantasy 16 and not get distractions in the way. Because I think to some extent, Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2 would be a distraction if you announce it in June when you're trying to lead up to this other thing that you want as much anticipation for. Um, that said, right, like, I also think for Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2, you would announce it at a Sony thing. And I don't think you're going to get a Sony event in June. I like, I, like, it's hard, it's hard for me to believe at the very least, like, if we get a Sony announcement or a PlayStation showcase kind of thing, then I'm like, all right, maybe we'll see it. Maybe you see both six, Final Fantasy 16 and Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2 there. It'll just be um, 2015 again. <laughs> it'll just be 2015 again. But, like, I don't see this showing up at, uh, like, Summer Games Fest Live. I don't see it showing up at, like, any, like, a Square Enix press conference because I don't think Square Enix does a press conference either. Like, are they going to drop it just on a random Tuesday in June? They could, but, like, why? why would you do that? I mean, I think they have some spots to drop it and they can kind of drop it at any time at this point. Like, I don't personally feel there's a whole lot of basis on the idea of it being too early for Square. I don't think too early really exists. And I think they've established a track record where people are kind of OK with that. Like, even if it's not your ideal um, marketing cycle, like that is probably what you should prepare for. Like, it would be more shocking if they were like you know, here's a full-on trailer, a release date, and the date's really soon. Like, whenever, you know, whether or not that's going to be 2022 to 2023, whether it's going to be, like, a trailer in, like, 2024 and it comes out in 2025, like, they don't really seem to do quick in that regard. Mm. Um, and I think, too, like, I think in a way, in a grade kind of buys some time as well, where it's not like they have totally not done anything 
with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it really can happen at any time. So like, this would be a like you know theme wise and a really appropriate time to do it. Doesn't mean they will, but it would totally mm-hmm. fit and make sense. I think the other thing too is we talk about Square Enix and how they seem like they're primed to get bought up by somebody. And I think there's no better way to up your price as a company than to announce Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two and go, hey, look at how much hype there is for this game that is the follow-up to 2020 Game of the Year, right? Like, if you, if you, I could see that being in the way that I, they kind of did that with Tomb Raider as well, right? Like, they announced the next Tomb Raider game and then all of a sudden Crystal Dynamics got sold off to Embracer. Like, I think that could be a, a strategy there too. Um, and so like, I wouldn't count it out for that reason as well. Uh, but I do want to bring in a question from Jake bakes cakes who writes in a patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like you can and says final fantasy seven news is incoming. Two questions. Is it finally coming to Xbox or should consumers give up hope? Uh, and then is, is it a bad idea to show part two this early if it isn't coming for two plus years, or do you think we get it within 2023? Thanks for all you do. Y'all are the best part of every day. Jake bakes, Jake's Jake bakes case. God, I can't say the name. Jake bakes cakes. Thank you so much for that. Janet Garcia. Again? Jake bakes cakes. It's, it, yeah. me- it messes me up because like she sells one of those seashells at the seashore. Yeah. She seashells seashells at the seashore. I also have like weird conjecture- congestion stuff going on because like cold, but I digress. Janet yeah, Garcia, yeah. what are your thoughts on this question? Um, uh, I mean, with the with Xbox, it's always like, I mean, that that's not totally out of the realm of possibility, but I don't think you should hold on to hope too fiercely with something like that. Um, almost ever, um, unless there's like, like I said, some type of track record where, you know, a lot of times we talk about on this show or on like our other pillar podcasts about different, like, you know, indie games or something coming to different platforms where that makes a lot more sense. And there's a lot more of a history on those kind of moves that we can point to when we kind of have those speculations. Um, here, that's a little bit more mixed or a little bit more muddied. Um, and then is it a bad idea to show part two? If it's, no, I don't think it's a bad idea to show. I think you can show part two. You could have showed part two like two years ago, and I don't think it would have mattered. Like, mm-hmm. I I forgot. I, I need to start writing these things down, our, like, dumb Hail Mary predictions, because then I forget what we end up saying. Because I did call for when I thought 7 Remake would come out, and I think I placed it, like, really far away. But I don't know how far it was, and that might not be that far anymore. I might have said, like, 2025 somewhere or something i don't know but i again once they laid out how they were doing things i'm like this is going to be the hopefully not the entirety of my career so i hope i have a longer career than that but then like this is the rest of my career this is like i'm going to be the, like oh yeah i remember when remake. exactly like i remember me and bless but you you and i talked about this seven years ago you know and we're going to have like completely different lives and be like in a different universe at that point um yeah and then we're going to be like it's time to finally play and then we're going to have to inevitably replay the first part because we had been so long. Anyway, but yes, it's going to, I feel like, I'd be a little shocked, honestly, if it came out in 2023. That would be It's not going to come out in 2020. There's no, there's absolutely no way in hell. Right, like they're going to drag. Like, that it comes out in 2023. I mean, they broke the game in a multiple, and I'm not saying they did that purely to, like, put out a lot of skews or something, but, like, the way, everything about this project says the rest of your life. You know what I mean? Like, there's no speed yeah, here. At the, very, um, at the very least, right, it says... Not that they're not like, going as quickly as they can, but, you know, it seems like a long process. I mean, game development is hard, and, like, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part One was ambitious. Like, they turned the first few hours of Final Fantasy VII into a 30-hour experience, right? Like, that is a full-ass RPG that has, like, really great polish in like the character models and like a really great combat system and it feels like a full game that you're playing right there right like 
they did that with the first few hours of Final Fantasy VII, and like I, I, I would assume that the plan is for probably around three games uh, of that ilk, and I, I that's going to take a while for that to come out. And I'm hyped for it, honestly. Like I'm gonna totally afford down that for stuff process. that's never happened before. Maybe, People yeah. Like, like, oh my god! Like we thought it was over. Also, shout to Breezy, uh, Breeziest Chip in the chat, who says Janet and Benjamin Miller hosting Games Daily, talking about Final Fantasy VII remake. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah, I love so the idea that at that point you're like you're as old as Greg Miller. Like you've taken the Greg Miller role, and like Benjamin is like the, the new kid that just got hired into kind of kind of funny, but it's like kind of funny part two. It's like we've gone through multiple iterations. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, there's no way Final Fantasy VII Remake is kind of funny uh, junior. part two. Kind of funny junior, yeah, that's a better yeah. one. Um, no way that game is coming out in 2023. And then also, I don't know if there's a too early. Like, for me, this year would be too early, but I don't think it matters for Square Enix. I think it just matters for me in terms of, like, you don't have to do it. Like, Final Fantasy 16 is what you should focus on, I think, in a marketing way. Um, and then in terms of, is it finally coming to Xbox, or should, should consumers give up hope? I would say consumers should give, give up hope. Um, I don't... I, I, I think Final Fantasy VII Remake is such a strong exclusive for playstation and i think as sony you do you do all you can to hold on to the exclusivity of that one because it is such a banger and important title uh for the playstation ecosystem but janet you know what else is a banger patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can go to get the show ad free and speaking of ads let us tell you about our sponsors this episode is brought to you by Lumen. If your skincare routine is basically you washing your face in the shower with that one shower gel that you've been using since high school, then it's time to level up the skincare game. Thanks to Lumen, you can drop that bottle of three-in-one and start using products that actually take care of your face. With Lumen, you get the highest quality products. All their products aim to help with those stubborn acne scars, under eye dark circles, wrinkles, sun damage, dry skin, oily skin. Gia has been using the charcoal face wash and charcoal face scrub and she feels so fresh so clean afterward she has dry skin so especially during the winter it's nice to have that hydration and exfoliation also she's a big fan of the really subtle citrus smell all you have to do is take a two-minute quiz on their website and they'll tell you exactly which routine is best for you based on your skincare needs level up your skincare game with lumen skin today you can go to lumenskin.com slash kind of funny to get your free trial of lumen's products that's l-u-m-i-n-s-k-i-n.com slash kind of funny to get your free trial of lumens products lumenskin.com slash kind of funny shout out to maple story for sponsoring this episode are you tired of being judged based on the way you look maple story is too because while it may look cute and cuddly this is a deeply hardcore mmorpg maple story is full of vast colorful lands and a ferocious array of towering monsters and don't get us started about damage maple story will have you dealing billions with each swing of your fafnir battle cleaver as you battle boss after epic boss and you can customize your mapler your way maple story has 40 plus jobs and thousands of weapons outfits hats armor sets and mounts for you to take on your journey from the lionheart battle bracers to vicious lollipop wands and you know i love a lollipop wand there's a ton to see and do in this picturesque world and with 18 years of content to sink your genesis weapon into there will always be a new adventure around the corner maple story is ready to go are you you can go to maplestory.com to check out the game and play for free that's free guys come on maplestory.com janet let's hop in to story number three bungie ceo has spoken about sony this is tom ivan at video games chronicle 
Bungie's boss has said Sony Interactive Entertainment's planned acquisition of the company won't stop the Destiny studio from standing for standing from standing up for what it believes in. Last week, SIE boss Jim Ryan sent employees an email urging them to quote respect differences of opinion on the subject of reproductive rights. According to a follow-up leaked email written by Insomniac CEO Ted Price, the studio sent a, a lengthy document to PlayStation Studios boss Herman Holst, in which numerous members of the staff called on the company to, quote, do better by employees who are directly affected by the situation. Following, SI reportedly plans to match a $50,000 donation Insomniac is making to the Women's Reproductive Rights uh, Assistance Project. However, Price also said PlayStation won't allow any of its studios to publicly comment on reproductive rights. Bungie is one of the most high-profile video game companies to make clear its stance on reproductive rights in recent weeks. Quote, the leaked draft decision by the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade represents a blow to freedom in America and is a direct attack on human rights, it said earlier this month. Quote, standing up for reproductive choice in liberty is not a difficult decision to make. And Bungie remains dedicated to, to upholding these values, end quote. Bungie's senior community manager stated on Twitter, quote, I admit I'm just a community manager in the grand scheme, but I'm confident in the following. We are and will continue to be Bungie. There will never be a muzzle big enough to stop us from standing up for what's right, end quote. Pete Parsons, Bungie CEO, followed up on, on this replying, quote, yes, end quote. Uh, again, good on Bungie. We've been talking about this a lot. They're like, you know, Bungie was one of the more vocal big video game studios to come out and really speak about this and really uh, speak for uh, women's rights to to choose when it comes to abortion. And it, for me, the rant I've been going on is more so about like, man, it really sucks that PlayStation acquires Bungie. Bungie feels the liberty to speak out and be vocal about this. And then a week later, PlayStation comes, or specifically Jim Ryan is like, oh, let's, you know, respect people. Let's like, and kind of walk walks back uh, what uh, Bungie's approach to it was. And so it's nice to see Bungie come back and go, no, we're not going to be muzzled, right? We're going to continue to operate uh, as we operate, especially coming off of the news about how, um, or the report of Insomniac not uh, wanting to tweet and be vocal about how they're put, uh, making donations because they don't want to see repercussions based on that and then get shut down by that. Um, Jana, is this a good uh, move from Bungie? Yeah, of course. Um, I think, though, it is, this is like a weird moment in time, I think, for like Sony as an umbrella and PlayStation as an umbrella with all of this, like, kind of i mean tension that is built and i know people are gonna argue well like that was jim ryan's point like he didn't want this kind of thing to happen but i mean like that is gonna be the case when you have you know these different companies like underneath each other different studios that you know really do want to be able to be you know vocal about certain things and then there's that push and pull of no matter how you know progressive um some of these studios may be there is still the okay well it won't be an official statement though like we'll match you on the donation but we're not going to say anything about it which is kind of weird i feel like um but and then yeah 3000 from, from insomniac i think that's really just to kind of put out there that you know where insomniac stands even though fifty thousand is not a whole lot of money admittedly mm. um but yeah i mean i think and something that I, i've seen come up again and again you know we've talked about this a bunch so we don't need to spend like an insane amount of time on it but something that keeps coming up is um i think people conflating um respect is just being automatically the best thing to do in every scenario i think because respecting each other sounds great like yeah we should respect each other uh you know we work together on a team there you go like that does sound good um but i think in a case like this the reason that you are seeing that pushback you know from studios from like the way we've talked about um this topic on shows is because 
you that doesn't work when the two things are at odds with each other on a grander scale. Like, I know people are going to say, yeah, but this is just like a person to person thing. It's like governments and decisions and laws, like all of those trickle down to people, whether they're like literal people that we can point out, whether they're people that, you know, we vote for to represent us and what those people then have to say. And like, that's why it's like not as simple as, well, why can't we all just, you know, hold hands and sing Kumbaya and get along? It's like, well, because you what you want takes away my option to choose. And I'm not going to respect that. Um, and I can't like I, I wish it'd be it'd be easier if we could ha have that. But we can't well, honestly too. like the thing is, like with the whole like respecting dif different opinions and stuff, like a lot of people have also point out, like having the right to choose allows for that. Again, I don't need you to agree. I just need that option to be legally there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where like the friction comes in, where a lot of people are like, what's wrong with wanting to respect each other? It's not that that's inherently wrong. It's just that 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 cannot apply to everything. Like, unfortunately, you know, it'd be nice if we lived in a world where we didn't have to have conflict. But like conflicts do arise. And this is a case where the conflict is meaningful. It's not over something, you know, petty and small. Um, respecting differences like I respect differences for when it's like, what platform do you play games on? Not for like things with human rights, yeah. like basic human rights. It, That's it, a different it, thing. It boils down to the, you know, there's the post going around of like, you know, asking us to, you know, tolerate intolerance, which only just boost the people who, you know, live life of intolerance and, you know, trying to put their personal values on the entirety of society, right? And that doesn't solve anything. 100%. Yeah, I think that this whole debacle has been making me think about in, like, the last week is, like, how I feel like PlayStation's approach over the last few years has kind of backfired on them in terms of, like, them wanting to be faceless and them wanting to be, like, a hey, we don't have personalities, right? Like, I think we've seen so many personalities leave, right? Like, uh, Andrew House isn't there, right? Like, I, Shuhei, I feel like we see less, right? Like, the faces of PlayStation aren't there. This is comparative to, like, what we usually see or, like, what we see from other places. Like, when, when, you, when you think Xbox, you think of Phil Spencer, right? Like, yep. you now think of Pete Hines, right, for Bethesda, and, and you think of Sarah Bond, and, like, there's a list of people that are personalities and actually human people that builds a connection and builds, like, a... Um, a, a strong connection for a, the brand and then also the audience, right? Like, having that connection is strong. And even Nintendo had the same thing with, like, Reggie fils right? That being a face, right? Miyamoto being somebody that you connect to, right? Like, the, the list goes on in terms of, oh, you have people that we, can, that we can connect to and you're allowing your people to have a voice there. PlayStation had that and then lost that, and it seems like they've been trying real hard to lock that down because, and I don't, I, I don't know the reason, honestly. I don't know if it's, like, they're scared of like giving the wrong person the voice or whatever the, whatever the fuck. But it seems like they've been doing, they've been trying real hard to not let people have a face. Like Corey Bartley, like, the, the risk, you know, cause you like mentioned like, you know, you're not sure why, like maybe it's just fear. I think it's part of it. I think the other risk inherently with having faces is like those people can leave. Um, and you see a lot of companies mm -hmm. have sort of a little bit of this attitude, whether it's something as big as like, you know, companies and development studios, whether it's, uh, you know, we work in media. Um, the more that like anyone has a face, the more they're able to like have freedom to move around and the more that they might be like have an easier time. Like if if they leave, it is a like bigger hit or even like thinking of other companies where like uh, what was it? This is like such an old example, but like the variety was it the Verizon guy who went to Sprint or like vice versa. Yeah. It's like that kind of thing. Like if you don't know 
we want you to be a God of War fan. We don't need you to be a like a Cory Barlog, Barlog fan. And, that, and that's Corey, actually what, what I was happens is when Cory Barlog, you know, switches positions, he's out. Are scared yeah. Now they're like, oh my God. It's like, and no, that's no, the exact thing I was Corey. driving to. Just like you need like Kratos, except maybe not Kratos either. I don't know what they're doing in the next game. So, you know, like, but that that's the vibe. Uh, Atreus takes over. Atreus kills Kratos. Yeah, yeah. Or like, I don't know. You plays the boat or something. I don't know. Like when you go back and watch that, the God of War God documentary that they put out, right? Cory Barlog is a person with so much personality. Like, dude has, per like, dude, dude, like, is he he could be a star right and he is a star right i think we look at his, look at him as a star but even mm -hmm. him i'm like we don't hear from cory barlog that much right like he's around like every now and then especially when they have like a marketing moment for the game they allow him to speak a little bit but like i they do they they, they try so hard to like really not allow the folks over there to like have a personality and have a face which like you know maybe acquiring bungie is gonna is gonna backfire in that case because bungie seems like they're not gonna be muzzled whatsoever they're just gonna talk and do their thing which shout out to bungie i absolutely love that um but I think in trying not to have a face and trying not to be a company that's driven by what, like morals, driven by by views, driven by personality, all this stuff, right? I, I think this is them also doubling down and being like, oh, yeah, like respect both sides, like respect everybody. We're trying to keep our entire audience, yada, yada, yada. And now it comes off as totally toothless and like weak. And it's so like it's upsetting to see them go to this length and go to this extent of doing it. Um so I hope I hope to see change. Like I I I really hope that like they kind of back. I hope they backpedal and go. Actually, no, we fucked up. Like we're totally wrong about this. Like we'll let our studios be our studios because I think there's a lot of like there's a lot to. of joy. In, <laughs> there's a lot of joy in video letting studios be themselves, right? Like I want to see Insomniac be a, be a personality driven Insomniac. Like I want to see a Naughty Dog be a personality driven Naughty Dog, right? And like again, maybe some of those personalities end up being personalities that we dislike. Who knows? But. I don't know, man. I don't like. I don't. I don't like the faceless company vibe that I get. Um, well, the problem is, it doesn't. Nowadays. You know, sitting on the fence doesn't work because, like, it just doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, people yeah. are gonna ask what you think, and you know, I'm not saying there's any, at least from a a capitalistic standpoint, right? Because again, I've already voiced my personal beliefs and like what I think should generally be how people skew to give folks freedom over their bodies. But like putting even putting that aside, right? Like you're gonna rock the boat in some way actually you're rocking the boat either way whether you pick a side or sit in the middle because it's like this sitting in the middle didn't actually do well, the, what the, sitting in the, the point of the point of it off. is like you can't be mad at me but everyone's mad because we all know also that sitting in the middle there's a when you sit in the middle there. on something that is <laughs> like on. black and white right like it's not it's not a issue that's like filled entirely with gray area right like i do think that people's ability to choose is the important thing right whether or not you believe in like, you know, abortion is bad or you don't want it for yourself or whatever, whatever. Like, that's a whole different conversation. Sure. But, like, at the very least, everybody deserves the right to choose for themselves. Like, that should be, that 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 should be, like, the line. And the fact that you're sitting in the middle when the line is all the way over there, like, that comes off as, no, you are picking a side, Jim Ryan. Yeah. Like, you are picking a side. Um, but I digress. We've talked about this a lot. And we have more yeah. <laughs> controversial I'm sure be issues more. to talk about. <laughs> and I'm sure there'll be more. But right now, let's move on to story number four. Nintendo is not partially owned by Saudi Arabia. This is Chris Scullion at Video Games Chronicle. Saudi Arabia has purchased a 5.01% stake in Nintendo, according to a filing to ja Japan's uh, finance ministry. Bloomberg reports that the country's public investment fund, a sovereign wealth fund chaired by Crown Prince Mohammed Mohammed bin Salman made the purchase for investment purposes. The acquisition makes its fifth largest Nintendo shareholder, uh, according to Bloomberg's data. This is the latest in a series of gaming investments made by the Crown Prince and his investment funds. Last month, through his electronic gaming development company, the Prince acquired 96% of acclaimed Japanese developer SNK, taking over ownership of the Fatal Fury, Metal Slug, and King of Fighters studio. 
Earlier this year, the nation's public investment fund had been used to invest stakes of more than 5% in both Capcom and South Korean online games publisher Nexon. These investments totaled over $1 billion. In December 2020, the fund acquired over $3 billion worth of stock in Activision Blizzard, Electronic Arts, and Take-Two. It's set to receive a profit uh, on part of that investment if Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard is successfully completed. The public investment fund is reportedly central to Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's uh, goal of making the Saudi economy less reliant on proceeds from oil. PIF's continued investment in video game companies may raise concerns for some, given Saudi Arabia's long-standing history of human rights abuses. The Crown Prince, in particular, has been accused of ordering the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Janet, th this has been a, an ongoing story regarding um, the Crown Prince's uh, acquisition of and like investment into like a bunch of different video game companies, and like it's always fascinating, both fascinating and scary because of who the Crown Prince is and like what he's been doing, right? It's scary for that reason, but also fascinating in the sense that, like, out of all the markets, right, like, you want to diversify from oil, and so you go to video games, like, you're like, oh, man, maybe we shouldn't rely on oil money, so, oh, man, let's, let's, what if we, what if we invested in Mario? Maybe Mario is going to get, like, get us a comparable, comparable amount of money. Mario um, does crazy. bring that bag in, but yeah, it is, it, again, it's one of those, and funnily enough, I was actually here, we were both talking about this the last time that the mm -hmm. story came up. I, may, I don't know, maybe there was like one in between that I may have missed, but we were um, together when, when the SNK thing had dropped, and it was the same, you know, contextualization of the, you know, human rights violations, the, the yeah, accusations of, like, ordering a murder of a journalist, which is, like, incredibly horrid. And, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll kind of reiterate what I said then, which is that, like, games don't, games and nothing exists in a bubble, um, and games are a business, and at the end of the day, like, there, there's going to be mo capitalistic moves in favor of, you know, bringing up those kind of businesses, whether it's like, I'm sure, you know, on Nintendo's part, this made sense for them. So that's why they did it. Um, I don't know that how much additional thought went on beyond that. Not that people aren't being like thoughtful in the business moves they're making and doing their research, but clearly like they didn't have a problem with that because they went in and did that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that is that is the reality of games being a business and games are always going to be a business to some degree. And that's just kind of part of it. Um, I don't know if we'll like, you know, ever kind of feel this more than beyond like the knowledge of it. You know what I mean? Versus like, yeah, I know the, when there's acquisitions and stuff, we like, might that that might be but even then it's like always so hard to trace back like oh did this game not do well because of x y that's and thing Z. is like, like the sn the snk thing concerns me more because they got most of snk right yeah like, that was 96 like now they own snk and that for me is like oh all right we'll see how that studio or how that company changes but like for the nintendo thing right we're not gonna really feel the brunt of this right um i wouldn't think and so and if it did it'd um, be like imperceptible you know but like yeah yeah Moving on, let's talk about story number five. COD Warzone 2 details have seemingly been leaked. This is Andy Robinson at Video Games Chronicle. Call of Duty Warzone 2 details have allegedly leaked online, including plans to bring the Battle Royale closer to its predecessor, Blackout's Blackouts 4 Blackout? No, Black Ops 4's Blackout. Uh, YouTuber Nero Cinema shared the details via a video published on Tuesday, which was corroborated by recognized insider Tom Henderson and partially matches with what VGC has heard from our own sources. According to the video, the biggest revamp in Warzone 2 will be related to how it handles loadouts the packages players can purchase uh, that equip them with all their powerful gear and guns. It's claimed that Warzone 2 will make it more challenging to acquire your loadout by placing them inside new POIs called Strongholds. Quote, there's going to be a number of them, the video claims. Uh, it continues, quote, you infiltrate a building and do different things depending on the stronghold. Sometimes you have to defuse a bomb, kill AI, and then you'll have, to, you'll have access to your loadout, end quote. Uh, 
It's claimed that Warzone 2 will adopt some features from Call of Duty's first Battle Royale, Black Ops Black Ops 4's Blackout. That includes armor requiring a satchel to be equipped rather than coming by default, and a new inventory system where you can only fit uh, so many weapons and equipment in your bag. Uh, this is fascinating. I'm very curious to see like how Warzone 2 shapes out, just from the perspective of like Warzone Warzone 1 has been so successful, right? Like, are the changes made in Warzone 2 going to be things that push people away or bring people bring people back in, bring more people in? Because like, as I look around and look, right, like. Andy, Nick, Mike, like so many people around me were playing the hell out of Warzone last year. And it feels like excitement about that has kind of like been tepid lately, right? I think people have dropped off as Warzone has felt more and more old. And I think Warzone 2 is going to be the opportunity for them to like really refresh and really go hard in terms of trying to bring that audience back in. I find it fascinating that it seems like a lot of that strategy is them going back to the well and going, cool, what worked about Blackout? And how do we how do we make this feel new again? Because like for me, the reason why Blackout didn't work as much the first time compared to Warzone is the fact that it wasn't free, right? Like you mm -hmm. had to buy Black Ops uh, Cold War in order, or was it Black Ops Four? You had to buy one of the Black Ops games to play uh, uh, Blackout, and I think that automatically was going to shut it down because we were entering the space where Fortnite was free and more Battle Royale games were free. Um, Warzone Two, going back to that, I think I have a lot of questions in terms of, in terms of how that's going to work, but. I look at some of these changes and I, I am like, oh, that seems fun, right? Like, I like the idea of having to go to certain POIs to get your uh, your loadout, right? Like, I like the idea of having to fulfill certain challenges so you can get that stuff. That seems like, those seem like interesting changes at the very least. Yeah, wait, did you play much of Warzone 1? Yeah, but I also, I never fucked with it that hard. I was always, like, more of an Apex person. Um, is there and also, like, anything Fortnite. that, is it just, like, a kind of the style and the feel? Like, or is, is by extension, like, was Warzone 2 kind of going to be like, all right, well... This is probably not going to be my speed similarly just because of like the way it, it generally controls or is there something they can do to like draw your attention for me it was a few things that like didn't um get me hyped about warzone initially i think it was the control the, the way it controlled just because like i played so much apex and apex the thing i love the most about apex is how it controls like the sliding the mm -hmm. like you know the diving the flying like the shooting the feel like everything about apex in terms of how it feels to control felt right like you know, it felt like a respawn shooter, and respawn did Titanfall, and Titanfall also felt so good to control, right, with the wall running and climbing and all that stuff. Um, Apex had that, and it made it kind of a struggle for Warzone, which felt slower. It felt more Call of Duty, right, which is what it's supposed to feel like, but that just didn't feel as right for me in a Battle Royale. Um, but then also, Warzone just had a lot going on, like things like the, load, the, the loadout system, the Gulag, which I know a lot of people love the Gulag because that means that, you know, in Apex... If you're out, you're out. And that could happen so quickly. Like, there's so many games of Apex where you drop, you're in a, a a busy part of the map, and boom, you're done in 30 seconds, and now you're back to the menu. Whereas, like, the Gulag and a lot of the systems in Warzone, like, call, call your teammates back and stuff, that would um, allow the game to kind of, like, last longer. You, d you didn't feel as defeated as much as you would in Apex. But for me, that like... Warzone just had a lot, a, a lot to it, and I think like I could be down to dig into that stuff. I think it just requires me to like be able to just have fun existing in that world and like running around and all that stuff. And I think again, the POI stuff could do that for me, right? Like adding in more interesting tidbits in terms of like stuff to catch my attention and stuff that like makes it more of a chill vibe for me and whatever whoever my teammates are to like go in and go, okay, cool, let's do our objectives, let's hop into this POI, get our loadout, and continue to go. More stuff like that could do it for me, or it could, it could uh, overcomplicate it more. Like, I don't, I like, I honestly don't know what they could do for me personally to get me fully into Warzone, but I think it is like a, I, I think at the very least a refresh would be enough for me to want to try it out. Right.
Is Warzone something that appeals to you whatsoever? No. <laughs> That's what I figured, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just not... I mean, I just don't play that genre very much, mm -hmm. like, at all. The, the only, like, FPS stuff I've done, and I'm sure I'm missing some things, you know, like, Doom's cool. For competitive stuff, though, I've really cool. not done I love Doom. anything. Um, other, you know, yeah. Have you not tried Fortnite? Person? It's not first person. Okay, it's third, yeah. right? third person, like, but like, it's, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a shooter. I played, a, I played a little bit of Fortnite, um, but, you know, I didn't stick with it. Um, I did play a little, like a little bit of like, I think the last Call of Duty, maybe, because it was like, I feel like at the time, maybe I wasn't at, doing a lot on PlayStation. I think so, because I did, I did try it out. Like, I remember playing it um, and I only did like a few matches, like with my boyfriend and against like bots, because like I was learning how to play. Um, and it was hilarious, though, trying it out because I'd never played a Call of Duty game before. And I like, don't play that genre. And I play like, you know, the kind of games I play. Yeah. So I was like, and it was funny because he was like, oh, this honestly doesn't. And I forget which Call of Duty it is. So like, don't put this on any specific one because I can't remember which one it was. Um, but he was like, oh, yeah, like, the, honestly, the environments don't look as good as they have before. And I'm like, what? This looks great. Especially when you like when you come off of like the switch, you know, like any, everything looks amazing to you. So I was like, oh, this looks really cool. And I was like, you know, walking, being dumb, walking around, like looking at old books when I'm supposed to be like shooting people. Um, but yeah, like I enjoyed like how the, you know, the triggers and stuff on the dual sense felt. But it's just not something I've spent much time with um and it's it's low on my list just because it's pretty out of my wheelhouse and it take a long time to i think establish a, a taste for myself if i even can establish that taste so we'll see if i ever get around to it but i think we can find a janet garcia first person shooter like I, i'm down to go go you on this journey to play with apex? you <laughs> dude i'm 100 down to oh my God. play apex you know how much that like, excites me i need more people to play no, apex that's with what, that's what's scary it's like scary when people get too excited you know what i mean that's why like i don't do monster Hunter. like you know i've you know casey i know would love to like take me through monster hunter and i'm like look i don't want to also hurt like, you I, and i don't want to open up this can of worms have your heartbreak you know i don't want to open up this can of worms because i don't want another days gone situation but like Maybe like once a week, I'm like, oh man, maybe I should try out Monster Hunter. Like now that I have the Steam Deck, I'm like, what if I play Monster Hunter Rise on my Steam Deck? I don't know. Let me know. But also, I'm, I'm thinking, like, why might, would I do that? I might you know, end up trying Monster Hunter because my boyfriend's interested in playing Monster Hunter, not Rise though. He wants to do World, I think. Um, I think we're just gonna World? try that oh, on our own because we have like people we could go to, but I think we're trying to like, you know, because I think you have World for free somehow on PlayStation because I think yeah, World was at one point on PS Plus. It might be part of the PS Plus collection. That's what I feel like. Maybe. I don't know. If it is. I don't know. People let me know, but I've he, he was like, you don't gotta buy it. I'm like, okay, cool. Like I don't know if it's if it's just we have it for something somewhere. Yeah. Uh, last last game. One of the says, games I didn't uh, download. Bless is down to play two percent of every game. And listen, I'm just a man that's that likes wrong. That's the way I, I like go. trying things. Yeah. I feel like, like people. Is it wrong to want to try shit out? Yeah, no, like that's, I mean, that's part of our job. You know, it was funny. I was, well, again, we're getting, we, we got one more story to go, so I don't want to get too off topic, but like I was mm -hmm. on TikTok, like posting stuff and I like reply to comments and stuff on there and I'll make videos to comments depending on if there's enough there. And um, yeah, I said about not finish game, finishing games and someone's like, yeah, don't you get like paid? They were like kind of joking. So it wasn't like a hate comment or anything, but they're like, don't you get paid to like beat these games though? And I'm like, only to a very small degree and only sometimes. Cause I'm like, not, we don't always have to finish games for review. Like I like to, if I can, like I will like will myself through it. And then that, that, that also backfires. Cause then people say you beat it too fast, but I like finishing it if I can. Um, but other than that, I'm like, if anything, it's like about, you know, keeping moving and like playing new yeah. stuff and like digging through. Like, there's not my, a lot of time to like always see stuff through because it's like, okay, is this good? Is it not? Oh, something else is here, and then you're just kind of turning it out. So, yeah, yeah. And my thing is like, I don't. I'm not somebody who plays everything that comes out. Like, there's so many games that I'm like, I like Tunic. I didn't touch. Like, I wanted to, but I was like, after a certain while, I was like, eh, 
Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should just stick with the games. Well, then enough time passes that you're like, I guess this is just a, a shit that passed me. Yeah, this is a shit that passed. But like Monster Hunter Rise is one that like I've heard Imran Khan talk, you know, great about. Like I've heard so many people be like, no man, Monster Hunter is like that shit. And that's my thing is like I want to try out games that could become my next favorite game. And oftentimes that pans out well, right? Like Mass Effect One, I played with Ooh, the Legendary Edition, yeah. and I fucking love Mass Effect One. Thirteen Sentinels, I played and I beat the whole thing, and I fucking love Thirteen. Like I'm down. I want to find. That's I like why, finding um, my next favorite game. Okay, so another potential post show that we could do instead of a music one is like mm. the top 100 games project. Because I've been, that's something I worked on a, a number of years ago and I'd like to revisit it. But this is the same concept where I go through games that people claim are the best games of all time and then I try to see if I like them yeah. or not. And then I build yes. my own list. So I do want to anyway. talk about this during the post show because it actually does sound really fun. But for now, let's hop into our last news story, story number six Dead by Daylight is getting some cool crossovers. This is Kelsey Rayner at VG247. I didn't expect to be putting Resident Evil and Attack on Titan in the same headline this morning, but Behavior Interactive clearly know their audience. Last night, during Dead by Daylight's sixth, sixth anniversary broadcast, Behavior revealed that players can expect to see a second Resident Evil chapter, an Attack on Titan crossover, and a Dead by Daylight-inspired dating sim. During celebrations of the fifth anniversary, the, the first Resident Evil chapter for Dead by Daylight launched. Uh, with it came Legends of Horror, uh, Leon, Leon S. Kennedy and Jill Valentine as survivors, and Nemesis as a killer. However, the map that came as part of the chapter, Raccoon City Police Department, uh, came with various issues and was not available for a while after launch. Considering the overall success of the chapter, with Dead by Daylight reaching its highest player count uh, during the chapter's launch, it comes as no surprise that we're going to be seeing uh, more faces from Resident Evil. This is the first time that Behavior Interactive have introduced two chapters from the same franchise, and this time around, the chapter will be called Project W. Project W can only mean one thing, and that's the notorious Dr. Albert Wesker that we've met throughout the series. That being said, Behavior Interactive are yet to confirm uh, what characters we might be seeing added to the game. Uh, so far, all we know is that it's happening, and we can expect to see new survivors and killers from the legendary world of, Le of Resident Evil. That's not all, though, as Dead by Daylight will also be collaborating with Attack on Titan. This is the first time players will be seeing a crossover with an anime, and it feels very random to say the least. The collaboration consists purely of cosmetics for both killers and survivors, and players will be able to reskin the character to appear as Attack on Titan fan favorites. Dead by Daylight's upcoming chapter, Roots of Dread, launches on June 7th, 2022. As for the Resident Evil chapter, there's no sign of a more specific release date uh, than 2022 just yet. Cool. Jana, is this one that does anything for you? I'm not a Dead by Daylight person, but I do think these crossovers sound really cool. I'm not either. Maybe I should try it out. Someone in chat mentions, um, gosh, where is that name at? I like just lost it. It just went away. But they asked if they're going to be Titan size. I would hope so. I don't think they're so. They're not. No, no that's not how you do it. That's impossible. That would be cool. Like, I know, but like that's... The idea of them of the Titans but small is also kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like I'm not they so have the skins no of, like, spoilers. The main characters, but I'm not. I'm, I've only seen season one. I've been wanting to watch the rest of the season, but my friend Yami's mm. been slacking. It's not on me. This is on Yami. This is the no, same thing not, as you with Uncharted. I, I'm not judging you. I don't watch anime for the most part. Like I've watched some anime sure. as a kid, but yeah, the thing is, well, there, like, it's, there's so much stuff. Like it's too much stuff. I can only take. <laughs> I'm already like Arthur in the goddamn library with that freaking if that episode where he gets all the books and they're like, you already have that many. Like and it's like you're just jealous. You didn't get to it sooner. And then he rides off in his bike, and when the books falls. That's already me with like games and all this other crap. I can't throw anime in there. That's why I'm not doing anime. But, but I did watch some Attack on Titan and I stopped, mm. I think at season, I want to say three. It was whatever mm. season they're like, what if we went really, uh, really heavy? Uh, no, uh, uh, it's, uh, not, it's, not a, it's not a spoiler. I feel okay. like it's not a spoiler. I okay. don't know. Also, go ahead and say it. 
I feel like I'm vindicated in doing this because you do the no spoilers for blank Marvel thing, but here's my general opinion on it, which in itself is a spoiler. So I'm a general opinion this. is not a no, stop this nonsense. Yes, it a general is. Yes, me is. saying Doctor, I like Doctor Strange is not a spoiler. Anything. Yes, it is because No, it's, it's not like, a spoiler. I know that you thought it was good. I know that you thought it was good right. then. Right. Everything is guys, a spoiler. Guys, Everything guys, is a spoiler guys, in that case, guys. Maybe we're not doing this. Okay. Maybe this is something again that we can add to the post show. We get really how long is this post show? We have so much to talk about during the post show. There's no way me saying a thing is good is a spoiler. Then everything is a spoiler. And I can't talk about anything. I thought one of the seasons got kind of boring. That's all I'll say. I felt bored by it. So then I I fell off of it. Um, What I was going to bring up, though, regarding this is... collaboration. Those are two cool IP. That's it. I don't play the game, but they're two cool IP. Whatever. What I was driving at is I've only finished season one, but... Maybe there is small titans, <laughs> like like the, you know how there's small. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a small titan. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Like I don't. I don't know. But it's I wouldn't Funko be surprised. Sized. Yeah. <laughs> a little Funko sized titan. I'm also yeah. I'm also willing to say that I am peak Marvel nerd at this point. Where like yes, that is extra. I realize not everyone thinks the way I think, but I don't know. Like that's just how I feel about it. And if you know me, know that because I will be like, don't tell. I don't even like no. Yeah, it, it, no, I don't like. I don't like it. I don't like it. I want to go in fresh, cold, nothing. In a vacuum. I'm just thinking about all the. I'm just thinking about all the games I spoiled. You know, by saying that they're good. You know I didn't I mean? say it counts. I game, can't game spoiled Eternal and, for and so movie many spoilers are way different. Game spoilers and movie spoilers are way different. Oh, I want to. We're gonna unpack this later because I could have a conversation There's about too this. many things to unpack. You know, I don't have anything scheduled though for after this, so we can Janet, go for as long as we I can't wait to unpack these asinine opinions with you. But uh, the post show is just so far away. If I want to come out to Mama Drop Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform, as listed by the Kind of Funny Games daily show hosts each and every weekday. Yeah. Uh, just to let people know, right? Don't check out our Top Gun Maverick spoiler-free review, because apparently hella spoilers in there. We just spoiled it for 40 minutes straight. Out today, we got Given Beyond the Trees for PC, Switch, and Mobile, and then Recursive Ruin for PC. Uh, we got some new dates for you. Uh, Nacon, Nason, Nakin, uh, has announced that Greedfall 2, uh, The Dying World, exists. Uh, and then uh, a game called Spirit Tea, which, to pause here, Janet, have you heard of Spirit Tea? No, I have not heard of Spirit Tea. Um... Good. I, I want you to pause there, right? Okay. It's a new date. Spirit T has been announced, and it is coming this year. Barrett, I have a video that I want you to play, but before we get there, Janet, I want you, I want you to guess what Spirit T is. Okay, it's a um, you're making tea to please spirits, I think. Also, Given came out like a week ago, so that might be old leftover Ooh, on Switch yeah. at least. And mobile, I feel like it's I feel like it's probably been there for a while because it came out on Apple Arcade a long time ago. But it might be just a specific platform. We've been struggling with out today because uh, honestly, out today is, it's, been... it is literal hell on earth. So I'm not. This yeah. is no no judgment. I just want to get ahead of it before someone's like, actually, like no offense to people that also do that because it's helpful. But I of saved course. you the time. Of so your 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 guess is that yes. is you serve spirits tea. Yes. Where the tea is made out of spirits. Those are my yeah, two very guesses. Impre- Bear, roll the trailer. Pixel also, art. this look reminds me of Eastward. Okay. There you have it. You have tea. Tea is okay. being poured. Somebody's drinking the tea. And it's a spirit that is drinking the tea. Janet was spot on. That was, fan- that, was imp- that was really impressive. But to give you it more context. Spirit cat. 
Uh, it is basically supposed to be Stardew Valley if Stardew Valley took place in the Spirited Away world, which sounds like Cute. the coolest concept ever, right? And it was now stayed by an indie developer. Looks really dope, and yeah, like, great guest gen. And that actually blew me away that you got it that accurate, but I guess it is called Spirity, so it's maybe not that much of a stretch, but still impressive. Still impressive. Now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you write in and let us know what we got wrong, as we got it wrong, so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames uh, and on podcast services around the globe. I freaked out for a second because you're wrong is filled. Now as I'm reading reading through them, uh, a lot of them are for yesterday, because uh, Tim and Gary didn't delete the you're wrongs from yesterday, and it looks like they got hella shit wrong. Look at this, man. Can't trust those two on a show together. You know what I mean, Janet? Yes. I'm trying to stop us from going even longer than we've already gone. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Let's see here. <sighs> this isn't a you're wrong, but I like Nano's the smallest recorded Titan factoid. I, well, I'm not going to read that one because that could be a spoiler. Yeah. But can Let you give me your you reaction to, to what that spoiler is? And is that right. a spoiler? Do you think it's cool or not? You know, I'm not going to spoil say, it, but I'm going to say that size. it's no, less. Let's no, no, wrap up the show. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I say this, it's no, 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 no. Just keep going. Just go. Just close this out, please. All right. To close this out, uh, tomorrow's host for Kind of Funny Games Daily are Tim and Tam for Tim Tam Thursday. If you're watching this live on Twitch right now after this is Mike and Nick and Andy uh, playing some screen sheet. If you want to catch that stream later, you can subscribe to YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Plays. Remember this. It's been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every day live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, Game Daily.